Hi everybody, I'm Neil Del Strother and today I'm interviewing John Matthews for Edison Books. He's a fantastic, well he's a fantastic bloke because I interviewed him before so I happen to know. But he's also an internationally acclaimed expert on the Celtic tradition, the author of over 100 books on myth, fairy and Arthurian legends, tarot and folklore, as well as short stories, a volume of poetry and several successful children's books. The book we're going to talk about today is more shamanic in flavour. It's it's called Celtic Totem Animals. The feel of it and the look of it is fantastic. It's got cards at the back that you can use with the book and you can download a drumming track if you want to do journeying. But uh, we'll go into all that with John, obviously. So, John, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning, Neil. Hi, John. Really good to speak to you again. Too. So, this book, before we were talking about the Spirit of Nature Oracle, which obviously has some relationship with, with this, but what is it that, what, where did this book come from? What is it that brought you to bring out this Celtic Totem Anim Animals book? Well, it came out of the teachings that I've been doing now for the last uh, 20 years. I've been teaching Celtic shamanism to little groups over the years, and one of the things that we do is we journey in search of, a, of what's called a totem animal. Right. Then spoke. And the totem animal, there are other terms for it, such as power animal, sure. uh, basically it relates you to a particular creature. Mm -hmm. uh, this is always understood to be a spirit in animal form. Yep. So I'm always telling people it's not actually a wolf, it's a spirit in a wolf's shape. Right, excellent. Yep. You and gives you qualities that you might need. So, for instance, you might have a hawk as your totem because you need to see more clearly. Ah. Uh, you might have a stag because you need more energy. So you see, each time it links to things that you might individually need. That's rather rather beautiful. And what, uh, interestingly for me, what would the wolf one be? The wolf would probably be a devotion, because they're extremely devoted animals. You know, mm -hmm. they, they mate for life. Yeah. They, they care for their families and so forth. And also for that need to, to hunt and find things. So it is about discovery and uh, and care, I would say, would be the main things. Hmm, how fascinating. And is my understanding that, I know them as power animals rather than totem animals, but the my understanding is that you don't necessarily have one only. You can find different ones, or, 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 or do you have a different feeling on that? No, no, absolutely. You can actually have as many as you need. Right. Uh, and the point is, of course, the most important thing that many people don't realise, I think, is that you don't choose them. They choose you. Yes. So if you are one of those people who wants to be in charge of everything, um, mm -hmm. and there are many of us, and I put my hand up to that sometimes. <laughs> right. But uh, if you think to yourself, I want a lion for my totem because I feel very leonine today or I feel strong and all of that, then you're likely to get a mouse. <laughs> right. Ah, but a mouse, of course, can have huge power, doesn't it? I, I, my understanding yeah. is that whatever one you have, it's not like one is necessarily more powerful than the other. Absolutely. No, it's, it's according to what you need. I mean, all shamanism is based on, uh, on, on a number of things, really. It's based on trying to discover truths. It's mm -hmm. also based on healing. And it's also based on finding what you need in your life. Yes. Uh, which I think is very important for a lot of people, especially at the moment. So, you know, when you journey for, for a totem animal or a power animal, either, either works for me, you're looking for something that you might find to augment your life, to augment your needs, make, it, make you stronger, make you faster, make you better at something. Yes. And do you think once you discover this, or it discovers you perhaps is more, more to the point, do you feel that it's with you not only when you're journeying, but somehow the power of it seeps into your everyday life? Oh, yes, absolutely. I mean, the aim with all, all shamanic work is you start out assuming that you know nothing to begin with. Mm -hmm. 
And these days, far more people know about shamanism. You know, at one point, maybe 10, 12 years ago, if I'd said it to a group of people, put your hand up, those who know about shamanism, you'd get five hands. Yes. Now, probably everybody in the room would put their hand up. You know, again, depending on your level of experience, perhaps, I would say, you, you make a journey because you feel you need some kind of extra strength or extra energy. And the idea is that as you go on, as you learn more, as you get become more of a regular practitioner, if you do, then the spirits of whatever form, not just the animals, but also other helpers, stay with you. So, for instance, now here I am sitting at my desk in my office. I'm very aware of my two totem animals that have been with me for many years. And they're in the background somewhere. Right. But I'm focusing on them now if i wanted to focus on them i could and then they would make a more realistic uh they they, they jump into focus shall we say yes. yes there's something very beautiful about the whole idea of totem animals and this this sort of sense of spirits being there and i mean there is a sense of to my mind anyway that you don't even need to know question what what you mean by spirits it's just about this connection isn't it it is i mean you, i use the word because you know there isn't really another one i no. mean what, <laughs> entity. That <laughs> does it no. uh, but i mean some people find it uh, you know scary uh, and i don't see why they shouldn't because you know basically you're working with something that no one else can see or maybe only a few people in the room can see that can be unnerving but the main thing that i always emphasize with my students is that you can't come to any real harm in this unless you're already in a very fragile state which is why we always say we don't take students who are on drugs we yeah. don't take students who have mental problems if they're honest enough to tell us um, and you soon find out if they're not. As long as you're a reasonably balanced individual, you don't have to be perfect in any way whatsoever. Yeah. But as long as you're balanced, no harm can come to you because whatever happens in your journeys, you you use your own common sense how yes. you react to it. So if a, if a, a spirit comes to you in your journey and says, get up, go out of that door and shoot yourself, you obviously wouldn't. Yes. Not that they've ever done that. But, you know, I mean, that's just a ridiculous example. Well, but in other words, if they say when you get up from here, go outside and be in nature and understand what you're seeing, okay, that you can do. I mean, my experience, I have done a, a reasonable amount of journeying and so on, and my experience is it's helpful to have somebody who can help you work through the interpretation of it because it's, it's speaking in very different language. It's not like a direct language. It is. It is. It's, it's a symbolic language, mm. I think. But, but that, in fact, is one of the things I never do. I won't interpret. Right. Because it's very important for the individual to understand for themselves what it means. And if I go, oh, well, that means you do this, that, and the other, or you should do this, then they might go, wow, that's amazing. But when they go away, I guarantee they'll go, well, how do I know? Yeah. I've just got his word for it. No, I don't really mean, well, my experience, which I was trying to communicate, is that it wasn't... Uh somebody doing it that way it's not like you know like sometimes people say oh you see a star that means you know x y and z i don't mean that i mean yeah. that somebody reflects back so you can explore it oh sure no in that yeah. respect and also that's partly what the spirits are there for also because they're there to guide you and also they're to guard you you know from anything untoward so if you were in a journey in which for instance you came to a place where there were three roads which is a, a scenario that happens a lot. Yep. You know, if your animal says, don't go down that one, go down that one, you still have the freedom to choose. But if you're sensible, you take the, <laughs> the one it pointed to. Yes. What makes you know that you can trust the animal that you get? Oh, that's a feeling. That's entirely a feeling. There is a companionship and a friendship. And I think that with all, with all, helpers, guides, allies, whatever you want to call them, that you get in shamanism, it's a bit like going to a party where you don't know anyone, 
but you end up in a corner talking to three people and they become lifelong friends. Ah, uh, yes, yes. We've done this, and this is what it's like. You go into the other world, the spirit comes to you, and, you know, some teachers say that if the animal shows its teeth, it's probably not friendly and you should leave it and move on right. to the next. Because often several will come. And when you find the one that's right, there's, there is, you click, literally, like yeah. you do with people. And then, you know, as I say, they can become. I mean, I've had the same two uh, animal guides now for mm, over 20 years. Yep. And all that happens is very occasionally, I don't mind telling you that one of them is a bear. Right. Um, and what's happened over that time is that when he first showed up, he was a brown bear. But there was a day, one day, about 10 years ago, when he suddenly showed up as a white bear. And I went, who are you? And he said, I <laughs> just decided I got fed up being brown. So, <laughs> hey, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. So there's a nice friendly cam camaraderie about it all, too. There should be. Yes. I was taught that when you go looking for your power animals, and I haven't read that bit in your book, so it'd be interesting to know, know what you say, but the... That, that actually you're sort of you're going into the lower world probably lower world journey with the intention to find the power animal and yeah. it may be that you meet lots of animals but one of them will come to you let's say two or three times and you'll start yes. is that how it works with this it is it is how it works and also that it, it, the other thing that some i don't particularly insist on this but i like it if it happens and that is that you'll see the animal from four sides so you'll see the head the tail and both sides right and okay. that is in a way it's like a reassurance that it's not like a cutout it's not just a flat thing it's real yes so sometimes you walk around it and sometimes it will walk around you and as i said there can be several you may end up with a little posse that go with you everywhere yeah you know, an exercise i do with my students where they go on a journey and they visualize one in front one behind and one on either side which is an old celtic tradition from the saints Ah, that's um, interesting. Actually, yeah, I wanted to ask you specifically, because I, I did some training with, do you know, Jonathan Horitz, you might do, at Scandinavian yeah. School of... Yes, uh, I know very well. Yeah. yeah. Great teacher. Fantastic, yeah. And um, uh, that's from the sort of uh, Scandinavian thing. There's obviously a lot of South American stuff going on at the moment, which is sort of pretty ayahuasca-fueled in particular, or plant medicine. And then there's Celtic, which I presume is largely rooted in... Britain, is it? Or what's its root? Well, it's rooted in, in all of the countries where the Celtic people were. And of course, at the moment, we are in the middle of reassessing what exactly it means to be Celtic. Yeah. Because the latest scholarly thinking is that the Celts, in a certain sense, didn't exist in the way that we think of them. I know, don't say that to an Irishman or Welshman. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. But of course they did. But I mean, it's like, where did they arrive from here? Or were they always here? You see, we've always worked on this assumption that they originated somewhere round about where Turkey is today. Right. And that then migrated over hundreds or even thousands of years across Europe to end up here. And then one step further into Ireland and then possibly beyond into America. But certainly at this point, yeah, the, the main uh, the main idea is that they arrived here, obviously. Yeah. Um, but now there's some rethinking among archaeologists and historians that they may have been here anyway. They, in fact, this may really be the native ah. land of the Celts more than we've ever realised. And you know, I mean, as you said, shamanism exists in many different forms, although basically it's always the same. It's all about communicating with the spirits. It's all about working together in harmony with them and discovering new things and new meanings in your life yes 
There are different ways of doing it. Uh, Celtic is not really that different from others. It's just a difference of culture. It's a difference of the, the deities that you might name or, in, or invoke in your work. I mean, I, I always now, now say native British. Right. Rather- Celtic, but I've, I've always, we've stuck with Celtic because everyone's familiar with that. It's interesting that there is no word for shaman in the Celtic languages. Exactly. The nearest we've been able to get is in Irish, which is Sweeney, and it usually means a wild, inspired madman. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds about right. <laughs> that shows how people saw shamans in those days. Yes. Well, I know, I know there's some fascinating studies about, I mean, God, we've got to talk about the book in a minute, but um, yes. fascinating studies about people who have psychiatric type conditions, which we yeah. perceive as being illnesses, but in a sort of traditional society thing, they'd see as being some doorway into some sort of special powers. Oh, absolutely so. I mean, it's, it's true that among the, the cultures that still have, uh, you know, native shamans training you from the start, they look among the population for the people who are weird, basically. Yes, the people who are a bit unstable, a bit unsteady, and so often are not. That is because those people see things and are aware of things that the rest of us aren't. Yeah. So they, they're looking for that special thing that some people are born with, although I, don't, I believe personally that anyone can learn to do this. Yeah. The level of commitment is important, and the level of experience as you go on becomes important. But anybody can journey. Yes. And and with so let's get on to the book. So the book will that help you to journey? What is the book for? Let's put it. I suppose that's the bit, the broadest way I can put it. Well, I mean, the book is to introduce you to the idea of of totem animals, basically of spirit animals. Um, and I've done this by looking at the oldest surviving stories from the Celtic tradition. Yeah. Each of which, in a way, is a teaching story. It tells you things that you might not have known or might not have seen otherwise. So the first half of the book is the stories, about ten of them. And they're drawn from Irish, Scottish, Welsh, Breton, whatever, wherever there is a story. Yeah, really each interesting, them, I must say. Each of them features a particular animal, a particular creature, uh, in, in a, a semi-magical, shall we say, situation. Um, so the idea is that you can read these if you want to know more about what kind of creature you're dealing with, if you like. Yes. Um, and then there is a section in the book which uh, goes through all of a selection of animals, just to name a couple, the crane, the crow, um, cat, bear, blackbirds. These are all animals that had a particular meaning for the Celtic peoples. They sure. were regarded as sacred. Yeah. Uh, and so the, then we have, a, we have a section on that which tells you a little bit about the folklore and mythology of that animal. And if you like, in a very, very general sense, what it means. And I know that's a tricky one, because it's like when you said, what does a wolf mean? Yeah. It means whatever it means to you. Yeah. It, there's also a received meaning, if you like. So we look at that, um, and then at the end of the book, there are instructions on how to journey. Uh, and as I said, there is a, um, or as you mentioned earlier, there is a downloadable drumming, two drumming sessions, uh, which you can download from the Edison Book site and use... With the cards, the cards come at the back of the book, and they have to be cut out. Yep. Um, they're quite easy to do, and they, they, they are beautiful little woodcuts showing each of the animals. I love them. They're gorgeous. Yeah, they're really gorgeous. Yeah. And they were done by a lady called Frances Wilson, yep. uh, and she made a great job of, of catching the spirit, literally, of these creatures. So you have your cards, and you have your drumming, and then you can shuffle the cards, and you can let it randomly decide which animal comes out of the pack when you draw it. Yeah. And then you can make a journey to that animal and see what happens. Yeah, and mm. sometimes 
you may not get the one you want um, or you think you want. I, I always remember yet many years ago being at St. James's Piccadilly, where I think you were for a while. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, yeah. And I did, uh, did a, an open uh, shamanic session with a, a whole congregation or group of people, whichever you want to call yeah. them. And, uh, and I said, and we, we did this drumming, and we said, right, off you go. Go and look for a totem animal. That was all fine, no problem. Lots of people spoke about their experience. It was good. So we finished, closed down, and I was just leaving, and this lady came over to me, and she said, I don't know how to tell you this, but I got something so unspeakably horrible that I don't know what to do. So I was thinking, what, bug, slug, spider, something <laughs> that we normally tend not to like. Yeah. And she said, what should I do? And I said, well, there are two possibilities. One is you go with it and you learn from what it has to teach you, or you say to it, I can't bear you in this form. Please, will you change it? So I never know what happened. I always wonder to this day. Oh, wow. you were, lady, you know, tell me what happened. But How interesting, yeah. I mean, that, that, that I think says something, because something I learned from Jonathan is that it's, you know, it's not that you're powerless in a journey. You have some yeah. power in a journey. You're, it's a sort of interactive thing, isn't it? Absolutely, essentially, and to understand that. Yeah, you're in no way powerless or likely to be taken over, uh, you know, this is not a spirit that's going to, you know, it's going to latch onto you and leech off you. It's a spirit that's there to help you, to guide you, to support you. You know, it's a friend. Yes. That yeah. way. I mean, years ago, very good example of this, right? Before we had sat-navs, I have a terrible sense of direction. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and I, uh, it's one of the standing jokes in my group <laughs> that when I open the circle, I often go, turning to the west, and in fact, I've turned to the east. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that's another story. But anyway, I remember in those days that I would be going somewhere and I'd get completely lost. And at one, some point, one of my guides came up and said, um, you know, you could ask us, we could give you a little nudge now and then. So ah. I went, okay then. So literally, I drove being guided by a spirit. I mean, that may sound crazy, and some people are probably, are probably running, running from the room by now. But, you know, I mean, it, it worked. Wow. Uh, yeah, I think you might have some trouble um, marketing that, though, as, as an it's, option. It's. I mean, <laughs> it doesn't really seem to matter anymore because <laughs> everybody has sat now, as far as I can tell. Yeah. And I do, and I and I listen to that, you know. But I know that, for instance, if I'm out, if I'm walking in a strange area that I don't know, yes. If I'm yes. on my way to visit someone, and I've I've gone by bus or coach or something, and I'm walking through streets that I don't know, I'll still tune in to my other guide, uh, who is very good at finding tracks. And so I go, right, how do I find my way to that street and that house? And I get guided. That's fantastic, isn't it? I mean, it's, it just shows how, pra you know, that's a very practical and not at all a way with the fairest type of use well, or application. Yeah, application's good. But I mean, no, that's actually it. I mean, the whole point of shamanism is it is supremely practical. It's why I love it. Yes. It's and not it's... woo -woo, It's just practical. It's down to earth, literally. Because yes. you always be in touch with the earth when you do this. Yes, which is which is something we definitely need at the moment. And um, I wanted actually just you know before we, we we end really is just to talk a bit about the rootedness because because the Celtic thing. I mean, I'm, I'm I've read a book recently by somebody else. I'm sure you know. I can't remember his name, but he walked from uh, southern Wales to Anglesey or Mona, and he was talking about the tribe. Path, the long path. Yeah, yes, yes. Either, but yes, yes, I have read it. It's a wonderful book. Yeah, and he um, he was talking about you know really that was a tragic moment when the Romans killed off pretty much all of the the wisdom held within the tribes on Anglesey and in, in whenever that was, and it's like we we became broken from our our lineage. 
Well, you know, I'm not so sure that that's true. I mean, I know that happened. Yeah. Um, and certainly the Romans did everything they could to stamp out the Druid organization because they saw it quite rightly as a, an opposition. Druids were the, were the priests and the, the keepers of history and tradition. And so, of course, they wanted to, to preserve it. But it didn't wipe us out uh, and it didn't separate us in, in the long run. Uh, I mean, the Romans tried to impose their beliefs on ours, but they did that by imposing them on top of. So, for instance, if you look at um, in, in Bath, for instance, you find the temple of Sulis Minerva. Now, Minerva is obviously the Roman goddess, but Sulis was the Celtic goddess. Ah. And they meant as near as possible the same thing. So the Romans did not try to crush or destroy the beliefs and ideas of the Celts. They simply amalgamated them. They overwrote them, if you like. Okay. Uh, but they still stayed there. And I mean, it's a good thing that you mentioned this because years ago, people used to say to us, is there such a thing as Celtic shamanism? This was at the time when Carlos Costaneda was the big man. Oh, yeah, I remember. Yeah. Everyone was reading it and yeah. everyone wanted to know about shamanism. So people would say, well, is there a Celtic version? And at that time, we said no. Right. We hadn't found any reference to it. But what really happened was that I found the story of Taliesin, which is in the book, by the way. Yep. Um, and Taliesin was a Welsh bard who really lived, and he left behind a whole body of poetry, some of which he probably didn't write, but was attributed to him. And all of it is steeped in shamanism. And I started reading and researching this, and I ended up writing a book called Last mm. Celtic Shaman. And he basically, in, in, these, in these writings, he describes journeys. Right, okay, that's fascinating. And, and the more I learned, the more I read about that, the more I realized that we did indeed have a native tradition here, Yes. And so, you know, we, we studied it some more. It began to fall into places, other work we'd been doing. And then we started uh, teaching ourselves, teaching Celtic, in inverted commas, shamanism, which is just like all other shamanisms, except that we don't do drugs. But we, we work with, with native spirits and with the native land. So now it's important to be in touch with the land. Feet on the ground is a good term for this. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I love that personally. I love this idea of rootedness in our, in our land, you know, our, where we were, you know, where we're born, where we're brought up and so on. It's interesting because I get students, obviously, from other countries, uh, particularly from America. And then they'll come in and they'll say, well, suppose I get Native American spirit suppose i get you know an animal from my country and i'll say it doesn't matter in the least it's what you need to have it's what you bring with you and we welcome those beings you know i mean i remember flying over the u.s years ago i think it must have been the one of the first times i ever went there to teach and i was thinking to myself how about the native traditions and the spirits here are they going to welcome me and the answer i got was yes of course because in the underworld and in the other world there are no borders well that's yes absolutely keep in mind right now <laughs> which, which, yeah i was going to say which is something we could very you know happily bring into our you know, in the in the middle world our world or whatever absolutely. now our timing and i want to talk to you for hours but unfortunately cannot but just to remind everyone it's celtic totem animals and it's edison press and i i'm sure you can get it amazon can they get it from anywhere else do you know uh, you can get it directly from us uh, on our uh, from our website, which is halloquest.org.uk. Right. Um, we have a little shop on there, and you can get it from us. Uh, don't have any stock yet because it's very new. Yes. It will be arriving in a few days. So if you're Excellent. interested, if you want a signed copy, you can get it from us. But, of course, you have to pay postage. Get it cheaper from Amazon. I don't care, as long as you buy it. <laughs> but you don't get the signature, and, I, you know, no. it's worth a double. So... Um, 
Absolutely, I remember that. I'll charge double for that. <laughs> yeah, that's right, I can remember. I took him out, going back to the alternatives, I can remember someone, I won't be named, but he did a brilliant thing on talking about how his signature was worth like 50 quid in Japan or something, and it just, it just people were just queuing for miles to get his book. It was, <laughs> it was just seemed like a brilliant little sort of, I, I guess... Actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, all you have to do is say, well, my, you know, my signed copies, they go for loads in Mongolia. And uh, yeah. you're away. Um, yeah. All of three P in this country. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, um, all right. Well, look. Thank you so much. That's been really. Oh, it's good to talk to you, Neil. Really fascinating to talk to you. And thanks, yeah. And great you're doing this work and a wonderful book. So thanks very much, John. Thank you.